Well, this morning, as we have just entered the year 2019, I know that sounds crazy, but I want to take this opportunity, if I could, to begin a new sermon series, four-week sermon series. This series will also be um, some of the content that you'll be talking about in your growth groups over these next four weeks, and then you'll go on to our, our normal curriculum. But I really want 2019 to be um, a time for our church to be strengthened from the inside out. We focus a lot on mission, on going, on the community at large, on overseas missions, domestic missions, going out with the gospel, going out and serving. We focus a lot on that, and we're going to continue to focus on that. But I also want to focus as well on inward community. What does it truly mean to be the church of God? What does it truly mean to be together, one another, loving one another, serving one another, caring for one another, admonishing one another, growing one another, what is true biblical community and how exactly has God designed that to look like? I want to say this morning that I do believe that God is growing and will continue to grow a healthy church here at the Church on Seven Hills. I do believe we are on that path. I do believe that uh, we do a lot of things well. You do a lot of things well. But let us never believe that we are beyond growth. And one of the areas I think that we can grow in greatly is this idea, this biblical concept, and really a biblical command to be in community with one another. We have to realize that community encompasses far more than what we're doing right now. You can come to church. Listen, you can come here every Sunday. Walk in, shake a few hands, sing the songs, hear my uh, wonderful message. Have a cookie, have a cup of coffee, shake a few hands on the way out, and not experience true biblical community, okay? Attending is not necessarily communing. Attending is not necessarily communing. So I hope over these next few weeks you'll be encouraged for us to really become the close, deep, intimate life-on-life, caring, growing body that God desires that we would be. You might remember the sort of the rhyme, well, not really a rhyme, but sort of the saying as a kid, remember? It went something like this. Here's the church. I'm not going to do the hand signals, okay? Because I, I still don't get this part really well with my fingers, but here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open up, and here's the people, and see all the people. Open it up and see all the people. That sounds great. We teach our kids that. And and I get where we're going with that, but it's really not all that biblical. If we were to make that really biblical, here's what I would suggest. Here's the church made up of people. Often they meet in a building with a steeple. See the difference there? This is not the church. This is the church. And so church is not something that you attend. Church is something that we are and we experience together as the body of Christ. Church is something you belong to. 
And as the body of Christ, you, I, we are called to the fellowship of believers if you are in Christ. And so let me read our passage for this morning. Let me encourage you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Very, very popular passage. You probably heard it or read it several times. Maybe you're reading it for the first time. Page 911 in your Black Pew Bible. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Let me just set up the context here a little bit, and I'll try to be brief this morning since we are going to celebrate communion together. Acts chapter 2 is the start of the New Testament church. The Holy Spirit came upon believers in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. Peter preached this amazing sermon. Thousands came to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And out of that, God spontaneously formed his church that he had been talking about previously. That that Jesus talked about that, that he would build. It came to fruition in Acts chapter 2. And as we get here to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we see what the outcome was of the formation of the church. We see what they began to do. And it sets up for us the biblical model. If you are in Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you are called into devotion to Christ and to one another. Being brought into the family of God in Christ, in fellowship with God, brings you into community with one another. So that's what I want to talk about today. Let me read our text for us, beginning in verse 42. And they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many Wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all, believe, and all who believed were together, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I admit I'm not going to do an exhaustive treatment of this text this morning. One of the reasons why is I'm probably going to return to it in another message and preach another message out of the same text because there's a lot there. I'm going to focus on a few things that really have to do with this idea or this really biblical command of true, deep, intimate community where we care for one another, love one another, serve one another, and grow one another. That's what I want to talk about over these next four weeks. This morning, I want to set up the general biblical concept of community and then draw it out for you to show just how deep that community should look like, just how much caring and growing should be involved in that community so that the only people in our church um, that are caring for its members are not just its leaders, Scripture tells us that the leadership of the Christian church is to train up the body to do the work of the ministry. And so we as leaders should be caring and serving and growing and loving. But guess what? As this church grows, right now we have three elders. We had about 125 of you. 
We cannot care and love and serve and grow in your life every single day to your satisfaction. It's not going to happen. We will let you down if that is the model. The model must be rising up from within and all of us owning biblical community together. So in this text, we see that what flowed out of coming into the body of Christ, being in Christ, was that they devoted themselves first to the apostles' teaching. Now, on the other side of the Bible being written, this is the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the Word of God. They fell in love with Jesus. They fell in love with His Word. It permeated the entirety of their lives, but they didn't just stop at the intake of the Word. It flowed into devotion with one another. You see, to be in Christ is not just vertical fellowship with God. It is horizontal fellowship with his body. That devotion that that you have for Christ and should have for Christ and for his word should bleed out in our devotion to one another. To the breaking of bread, which in that passage can mean communion, which we're going to celebrate this morning, the Lord's Supper, but also fellowship, which I'm going to talk about what that means in the broader sense, having meals together. Both of these things were typically done in homes, which I'll talk about later today. This idea of communion or community that I'm going to talk about flows from that word fellowship in this text. Fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. I hardly ever use Greek, but it's, I think it's good for us to understand a little bit. It means participation, or communion. You take that meaning and you translate it um, into English and we can lose some of its value there. We might feel as though that right now we're doing fellowship. That after the service today, if I eat a few crackers and have a few cookies and I talk to three or four people before I leave, I'm satisfying that biblical command for fellowship. But fellowship is much deeper than that. It encompasses transparency, care, love for one another, willing to open up your life in a transparent way and care for others that are opening up to you. It's pursuing relationships, ongoing relationships with one another for the cause of Jesus that more people might come to faith in Christ. We are much better servants when we like and love one another. We're much more effective out in the world for Christ when we are together in unity and love one another. You try to do that on your own, you're going to flop. You do it with 100 people that you love and have a common mission with, I think God's going to honor that and use that in great and mighty ways. And So fellowship is not just a group of people that get together and socialize. Fellowship, I think, really could be put in like this military context. Fellowship is not just socializing for the purpose of socializing. It's community with a purpose. The purpose is the cause of Christ and the growth of the body. I think the best analogy is really like a unit in the military. Some of you that served in the military, I have not. But I know some people that have, and I know that some of those relationships that you formed at like the unit or the platoon level are some of the deepest you have in your life. It's because you got this small group of people that have this shared mission. Yeah, you got this deep relationship and this common bond, but 
It's centered around the broader mission. It's not just that you're friends for the sake of friendship, but you have each other's back because you're on the same mission. That's really what fellowship is. It is friendship, love for one another, bond for a greater purpose. As brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me share with you four quick, quick, I promise, truths about communion today. Number one, communion with one another must be inclusive of the whole body. Doesn't mean we all have to fellowship together all the time. In fact, I'm going to tell us later in the sermon, that's not what we should do, and I'm going to give you reasons why, okay? Now, before you throw stones at me, just hear me out, okay? However, fellowship in the body should never be exclusive. It should be inclusive. Everyone is invited into the fellowship. Just as God invites all people into fellowship with himself, all people should feel loved, encouraged, cared for, wanted in the body of Christ. Three times in verses 44 and 45, we have this term, all. As the, as the early church was formed, guess what? Those who showed up, none of them felt left out. And all who believed were together. And all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and, distrib- and, distrib- and distributing sorry, the proceeds to all as any had need. There was nobody left out. There was nobody standing off to the sidelines saying, man, I wish I could just break into the in crowd in this place. There's nobody left out either purposefully or ignorantly, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more too. It was not divided by gender, age group, race, economics. There's no indication of that here. The early church was a melting pot. But the commonality was Christ. That's what's so unique in the family of God. All of those normal worldly barriers got knocked down at the cross of Jesus. And so therefore, in the family of God, everyone in Christ through faith belongs, should feel included, valued, wanted, cared for. This happened organically as the Holy Spirit fell upon them. It should happen organically here at the church on Seven Hills. This should be the rhythm, the constant expectation and rhythm of our church. Every single person should feel wanted, cared for, loved, and welcomed in all things. Fellowship is an open invitation for all. And in fact, we should all pursue others with intentionality. Here's where I believe that we can grow. Okay, and let me just push on this a little bit as your pastor this morning. I believe we have a very friendly church. I do. I hope if you're newer in our body that, you've, that you feel some of that, that people have come up to you, made you feel welcomed, okay, um, that you didn't leave without somebody talking to you and making you feel as though there's a place for you here. But I do think that we need to get past some of that surface-level friendliness, and really pursue one another with intentionality, right? 
we all know what that surface level stuff is, right? The, hi, how you doing? Um, and, and when we say that, we really hope that the person doesn't really tell us how we're doing because that extends the conversation and makes it more weighty and more intimate, right? And so we're friendly, and a lot of those deep relationships are happening here, and I'm so excited for that. But if we're not careful, we can be a little shallow in our biblical community. And also, I don't think anybody is ever left out here purposefully. I do think that maybe a few feel left out simply because we're just not pursuing one another fully. I know a lot of you are. I think all of us should be. Let me also encourage some of you. Some of you are like me, okay? I have to work at being extroverted, okay? It, it used to become more natural to me when I was younger, but I, I have to work at it. Now, part of it's my responsibility. It's my job, and so I work at it very hard, but it's not always my natural instinct to be super extroverted and just make friends everywhere I go. My wife is the exact opposite. You stand in line with her at the grocery store, she'll make 10 friends before she hits the automatic doors. Me, I just want my head down, my cap over my, I just want to get out. I, I don't want to be asked by the cashier to sign up for a, a new credit card. I, I just want to get out the door. That's my natural instinct. My wife's natural instinct, make 10 friends and have them over for dinner, okay? Okay, so you may fall into one of those camps. Let me encourage you, no matter where you fall, there's a step for you today to take. You who are super extroverted, where's Missy? Right? Some of you are in that camp just like my wife and, and Missy and others in the church, okay? Let me encourage you to, to use that God-given gift that God has given you and be purposeful. Be intentional, okay? And I don't just mean with, like, new people that look like you. I mean with some that might be older. Make them feel like you love them, there's a place for them, that we're not divided by age groups here at the Church on Seven Hills. Also, if you're older and you're more extroverted, look at those younger folks that need your wisdom and encouragement in their lives. Cross those barriers, okay? Be intentional. Use that God-given bubbly gift that you have to look for those that may not Look and feel as included as others and be purposeful, okay? Because whether you feel it or not, maybe somebody else doesn't feel as connected as they'd like to be. Now, introverts, those that just love to, you know, naturally, you don't pursue conversations. Naturally, you're just fine being on the outside. But, but then you start to feel like, well, I'm really on the outside. Let me encourage you. Take the step of faith. Take that step rather than blaming others and feeling as though it's always their responsibility to come to you. Make yourself available. Walk up and get over that, get over that, that barrier in your chest of anxiety and say hello. I, I do believe there is an onus on a lot of us that have that extroverted, you, you know, mentality to take the initiative but let me encourage you this is a safe place for you to be who you are and to be loved for and cared for take a step okay all of us have a step to take no matter where we fall in those uh camps 
Number two, so communion should be inclusive of the whole body. Nobody should be left out. There should be inner, cross-generational, cross-gender. No, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) Cross-generational. Guys and girls shouldn't be separated. Um, There shouldn't be any barriers, okay? We should be one loving, gracious, kind, growing, intimate body. Two, communion with one another should be frequent. You cannot experience biblical community if you don't show up. The text says they were what? Together, constantly, probably every day. Now, we cannot replicate that fully. You have to work right? But boy, can we take this a lot more seriously than we do. They were together. It simply means in the same place constantly. There's a very simple principle here for Christians that we need one another. We need to be together. You cannot come to me, okay? I'm just going to be very blunt. Don't come to me and, and, and say, I feel left out. My life is a wreck and it's all your fault, but I haven't been here in three months, okay? I'm going to say, well, I might take some of the blame, but a lot of that's on you. Let's be honest. We cannot have community if we're not together, if we're not committed to one another. How can you encourage love and care for people that you're not around? Today we have so many ways of being together. But for the people in, the, in Acts, this was physically together. Let us never believe that we can have biblical community truly if there is no physical gatherings. Too many people call themselves Christians and never made time for the body of Christ. Never made time for relationships. Never enter into fellowships. They're on the lake for the weekend sleeping in and think that that they're doing church by turning on the television set and listening to a message. You even have some churches nowadays that promote this idea of virtual church. Download the app and you're there. That is unbiblical. Incredibly unbiblical. God has called his people to be together. We need one another. The early church sure thought so. And God used them greatly. We should recognize that as well. Number three, I'm going to keep moving quickly. Communion with one another. And here's where I'm going to get to the second part of the message here that I already mentioned. Communion with one another is most intimately achieved in smaller groups. Communion with one another is most intimately achieved through smaller groups. I believe that we can improve our fellowship here at the church both collectively and on smaller levels. And so I've talked a lot about large gatherings. They gathered, the the early church did both, right? They gathered it in the temple. But the primary place they gathered most often was in homes. 
We still have large settings, large gatherings in our churches. That's what we're doing this morning in a worship service. That's what we're doing afterward in a fellowship time. And I'm going to encourage, and we are going to institute more church-wide fellowship this year to jumpstart some of this biblical community that we're talking about, really for the purpose of you getting to know more people in the church that maybe you would not have before. However, let me say this. We will never fully achieve biblical community if we only meet in larger groups. We cannot have the kind of life-on-life, transparent, spurring one another along in love and good deeds, really understanding what one another is going through in their lives and stepping into that with prayer and with um, devotion to one another. If we don't get in a smaller setting where we can study the Word of God together, we can break bread together, we can do life together. If you're never a part of a smaller group at our church and all you do are these big things where we can have these five, ten-minute conversations and, and have a nice meal together, if you never get past those large settings, friends, you will never experience fellowship truly the way that God designed it. God designed fellowship to be on both levels, the large level and more often the small level. And day by day, verse, 40, uh, verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in, in their homes. Homes were small. They're still small today. You can only fit so many people there. That's the idea. Smaller groups. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Do you realize that small group gatherings were just as vitally important to the early church as they are today? Within the last, like, 20 years, we've had this renaissance in the church, this idea of small groups. Before, it was kind of just Sunday school where we had another Bible lesson. That was it. There wasn't really community beyond that. Now we've sort of recovered this idea of small groups. But it's really not something new. It's something incredibly 2,000 years old. We're just trying to recover what God commanded us to be in the beginning. Over half of our church, or about half of our adults, are involved in a small group. That means another half are not. Let me encourage you again. If you're not, you're going to end up missing something. There's a place for you. It's inclusive of everybody. Everybody is invited to every small group. Nobody is excluded. But it does need to be a certain size so that we can really care for one another. And when it grows to, to that size or beyond it, we're not going to tell you to leave the group. We're going to break off and start another one so that we can do this correctly. Now listen, I recognize that our groups are not where they need to be. We could do a better job. I think we do a pretty good job of talking about God's word together. I think we can do a better job of encompassing all those things that fellowship is supposed to be. Truly caring for one another. Having times outside of the classroom here where you can commune with one another. And we're going to work on some of those things. But part of the way that those things grow in its strength is through your participation. 
So let me encourage you to grow with us as we seek for these groups to become what God would have them be. I think you would agree with me that even though we don't always like to be in smaller groups because then I kind of become exposed, right? In the larger group, I can kind of sit in my corner and kind of hide, and the pastor's talking, but, but, but since I don't have to talk back, I can pretend he's not actually talking to me, right? And, and it's less personal. It's more spectator. But you get in a group of 10 people, all, the, all of a sudden I have to become involved and be real. For a lot of us, that's uncomfortable. That's the way it should be. That's biblical community where we grow with one another. And sometimes when you grow, you get stretch marks. It should, it should, you should feel welcome and loved. You should also feel nudged and pushed in the Christian life. That's the design of these communities. That's deeper biblical fellowship, and that's not going to happen right now. Sure, you can learn a lot. You can um, be encouraged to grow in your Christian life through what I'm doing right now in the Word. You're going to be encouraged more on a daily, weekly basis when you take that next step into biblical community. Let me go back to that military reference for one more time. And I think that you can resonate with this. Okay, well, let me, let me do something different first. We have acquaintances and friends at sort of the macro level, right? We may have, we may say, we have 100 friends, right? But when we start talking about closest friends, those friends that you're actually real with, that you invite into your life, when the junk of life hits the fan, you feel like you can call and be real, have them talk and pray with you. When, when there's a crisis in your life, you can actually like confess that to them and ask for their prayer and accountability in your life. All of a sudden, that list starts to dwindle, right? It gets smaller because I can't do that with everybody on the bigger level, right? My life would just be this open book and gossip would abound, right? Hopefully it wouldn't happen here, but we're just not going to do that. Well, if, the, if biblical community is all of those things, it necessarily has to be on a smaller, more intimate level. Military uh, um, analogy. You have companies and battalions, 100, 300, 400. People in those things usually know one another, are familiar with one another. Where are those life bonds usually found? At the platoon and unit level. Why? It's smaller. You're with that team more often. You're sharing that life-on-life experience and that common mission. You're doing everything together. And a lot of those bonds are some of the closest of all human relationships. I don't want our church just to be a good company or battalion. I want us to have strong, intimate units so that the whole can become stronger. We can all move in the same direction. Then number four. Communion with one another builds God's kingdom. Communion with one another builds God's kingdom. Notice that last phrase of our text, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Our fellowship, 
The relationship we have with one another and with Jesus is a witness to the world. The early church was committed to Jesus, committed to one another. The world saw that. They lived that out in the open. And what happened? The church exploded. Because everybody, saved, unsaved, in the church, outside of the church, wants to be wanted and loved. And when they see that genuine love for one another, man, it is infectious. And it leads to relationships. It, it, it leads to conversations about what the root of that comes from, and that is a, a life-altering, transformational relationship with Jesus that these things flow from. When Christians regularly meet together to worship God and fellowship with one another, we are a witness to the world. What did Jesus say in John 13, 35? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. How? When you love one another. As I conclude today, let me encourage you. Maybe you're not a believer. You've not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, and you wonder sort of how you fit in this that I've been talking about, the body of Christ. Let me encourage you. You are welcomed and loved, and I want you to feel right at home here at the, on the church, at the church on Seven Hills as you begin to figure all these things out and work through some of these things. And we'd love, I would love to talk more with you about what all these things look like in your life and how you can be made new in Christ. But let me also encourage you that, that to sort of get to that next level, what makes Christian fellowship so different from the rest of the world is the commonality that we have in Christ. Once you've been changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a commonality with others that have been changed by Christ. And, and that forms an incredible bond. And all of these things should happen organically out of that. So let me encourage you. There is a place for you here. I am glad that you are here. Let's talk about what it looks like really to be in Christ. And that exciting, enhanced community that can come with that. When we have Christ in common in our lives, he is Lord of our lives. I would love to talk with you more about that. Let me encourage the rest of us, this issue of biblical community is really an issue of priority. What are our priorities in our life? We can say one thing. I will show you where your priority is, and that is where you spend your time and energy. Will, will you make true, biblical, deep, sometimes uncomfortable, scary, but amazing biblical fellowship, communion with one another, a priority in 2019 and beyond? That's my question. And I recognize that sometimes the hardest part is just getting started. I just started this ketogenic diet, okay? Because I gained like 20 pounds over the last two years. I, I thought that I could just keep eating the same things and great things would happen. It just, it, it just didn't happen, right? I, you know, I, I was stuffing Burger King coupons in my pocket, uh, uh, but, you know, thinking I was doing well. But, but anyways... You know what I found out about dieting? When I actually do it and I give it time, and I give it a fair shot in my life, I give it all I have, I see great results. I realize, man, why wasn't I doing this all the time? I feel better. I look better. You know, my wife is saying hubba hubba more often, right? And I get these amazing results. 
The hardest part is convincing myself to start and to actually give it a fair shot in those early days when it's hard. The same is true in your life when it comes to biblical communion. The hardest part is taking that next step. But once you do, you give it a fair shot. You let the body of Christ really get in your life and love you as God has designed. Friends, as we do this more consistently and better and more intentionally, which we have a lot of room to grow in that, church-wide, the results will be amazing. We will become the church that God designed us to be. So let me encourage you today, no matter where you're at, whether it's taking that step for the first time or it's taking another step to further commitment. Yeah, you're in a group, but you show up once a month. Yeah, you're in a group, but you kind of just listen to what's going on and never partake. There's a step of growth for you, no matter where you're at. Maybe it's stepping out and joining today. Maybe it's taking another step of commitment within a group you're already in so that we can become the church that God would have us be. Let me pray for us before we take communion together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for the privilege it is to come together to sing praises to you, to speak with you, and to hear from you. Lord, some of this is not easy for us. Some of this does not come naturally, but it is how you have designed your body to live, and that's why it's so much different and better from anything we can find in the world. So, Lord, I, I pray that, that rather than being turned off by something like this, that we would embrace it fully because it flows out of your word. Lord, we know that you desire us to be together, that we might be effective for you. Ignite in us a passion to get beyond our fears and our reservations and our time restraints and to truly become the community that you would have us be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.